Well, hello there. Richard Tupp here at home in the studio garage for a very special bonus episode of Tub Talk, the podcast for IT consultants. Now, we've produced this bonus and two others like it as very special episodes as part of the ultimate MSP podcast crossover event in September 2022. Now, the Ultimate MSP Podcast Crossover is an event which we hope will introduce you to not just my podcast, but the wealth of top MSP podcasts across the world. And remember, during September, you can win $1,000 just for sharing on LinkedIn using the hashtag MSP Podcast Crossover. For all the details, visit tub.co forward slash ultimate podcast. Now, if you're a new listener to this podcast, welcome. I'm Richard Tubb, the IT business growth expert, and I'm a former managed service provider or MSP business owner with 20 years experience in the MSP space. For many years now on this podcast show, I've interviewed the most successful, smartest people in the MSP industry so that you, the listener, can benefit from their ideas, tips and wisdom to help you to grow your IT business. Now, we've interviewed so many amazing people on this podcast that in these three bonus episodes, we thought we'd highlight three of the best episodes that you can start listening to to help your IT business. Hi, I'm Paul Green, and I'm the host of Paul Green's MSP Marketing Podcast out every Tuesday on your favorite podcast platform. So to celebrate our podcast crossover throughout September, here's the best piece of business advice I've ever been given. Stop selling and start building relationships. Because people hate being sold to, but they do love to buy. But when they do buy, they buy from people. People buy from people. This is possibly the best sales advice you could give to any MSP. Because when someone's thinking of switching from one MSP to another, there's a great deal of fear there. The ordinary business owners and managers that you're selling to, they don't really understand technology. And that creates that fear. And so if you can build a relationship with them, well, once you've built a relationship, you can build trust. And once you've got trust with them, they are dramatically more likely to pick you as their new supplier than someone else. So build relationships with them. Here's how you would do that. The simple method is to build yourself multiple audiences of people and then build a relationship through content marketing. So you would have your email list. You would have your LinkedIn list, maybe even your YouTube following, multiple audiences of people, and then you put out great content to them. And that content needs to be relevant to them. You need to put yourself in their head and in their heart and ask yourself, what are they most interested in that would also demonstrate your authority and expertise. It is not hardcore technology. They don't care about technology in the way that you do, but they do care about growing their business and things just working as they should. So talk about business growth. Talk about how technology empowers them to make the business easier. Those are the things they're interested in. And you can use content to build that authority with them long before they're ready to switch to a new MSP. So that's the best piece of advice that I've ever had. Now, I will be back along with all of my other podcast peers in our special crossover podcast. We're broadcasting that on the 30th of September. And don't forget that you can win $1,000 just by posting about what we're doing on LinkedIn. Go and write something nice about us on LinkedIn and use this hashtag, hashtag 
MSP podcast crossover, and that will enter the draw. So write anything you want, hashtag MSP podcast crossover. Look forward to seeing you on the 30th of September. In this bonus episode, we head back to episode 65 of Tub Talk, where I spoke with Chris Brogan about mental health for MSP owners. Now, if you're unfamiliar with Chris, he's a New York Times bestselling author and somebody who works in the tech industry. He's also somebody who has battled with his own challenges with depression. Now, I've personally struggled with clinical depression since my early 20s, and so this episode is a favourite of mine for shining a light on the hugely important topic of mental health. I hope you enjoy this excerpt of my conversation with Chris Brogan. What advice would you would you have for business owners in making sure that they are kind to themselves? Ah, so there is a grand book. It's kind of an older book by now. And it's by this guy, Dr. Matthew McKay. And it's just called Self-Esteem. And every copy I've ever seen out in the wild looks super old. Like there's like 1970s fonts and rainbows on it and things like that. It's awful. Um, But in that book at some point, and it's a fairly dry book. So anyone who buys books that, uh, you know, people on Richard's show recommend, this book is dry. You will start to read this and think, oh, Chris wants me to nap. Um, He has this concept in there called the inner critic. And I think he's the one who created this, but it's basically, there's a voice in our head that says a lot of negative stuff to us all the time. Everyone has it. Non-depressed people have it as well. It's called the inner critic. And the inner critic exists for an interesting function in theory. This voice exists. We, we don't know what it really means, but it for real exists. Everyone can, can point to it. The suspicion is that what it does is it tells us something bad is going to happen because it's trying to save our mental psyche from that something bad. You know, you're going to start that new diet, but you know, you failed all your diets. So it's okay. Like you just got to know that you're going to fail this one too. I need you to know that. Right. So the inner critic is such a negative person and it is, uh, it is negative because it thinks it's helping you. But the problem is just like how depression lies, the inner critic is only working on past experience. And we always fail until we don't fail, right? But the inner critic has no vision for that. It has no idea what to do with it. So this next part is not Dr. Matthew McKay. It's what I did when I read about the inner critic. I came up with a fake thing called the inner coach. So the inner coach says nice things because, you know, if you've ever been in any kind of sporting environment um, and I, you know, Richard and I love comic books. So, you know, neither of us were in sports for too long, Uh, but when you're ever glancing in a sporting environment, um, you know, that coaches, if they're a decent coach, they're trying to encourage the good stuff and they're trying to sort of quietly dissuade the negative stuff. And they're like, you know, get out there and, you know, really run between this one and this one, because that's the part where you should run. And they're just giving you little things to focus on and gather. So if you accept that the inner critic is a real voice, but it's, it means you no harm, but it's not really helping you, you can do this. You could say, thank you. I totally hear what you're asking, what you're telling me. It's like a parent, right? It's like, it's like a relative or like a spouse sometimes, sadly. I get it. Thank you so much for letting me know. I really appreciate your point of view. There's a little quiet parenthesis that says, so now shut up. And then the inner coach says, you know, let's try some things. Okay. Let's try a few approaches. So number one, fire your inner critic politely and hire an inner coach. One, one is there no matter what. And one, you have to very consciously do something. Number two, I just said, clear your schedule a bit. 
you know, when depression starts to hit, when you feel it's going to hit, when you are a business owner and you're dealing with all the chaos, clear your schedule a bit. So productivity people are all about how to get the most out of the day. I schedule my days to 40% total. That's it. 40%. Because how does a computer run at hundred percent? It runs great for four and a half minutes and then it explodes. How does your phone work at hundred percent? It locks up and you have to reboot or it dies, right? Anything at hundred percent explodes. So why do you keep scheduling your schedule, your diary? How come you have that to 120? That's the stupidest thing anyone's ever done. Stop doing it. You stupid fool. There you go. Um, now schedule it to 40%. If you schedule it to 40%, everyone says the same to me, Chris, of course, oh, oh, I'm so busy as it is. Why are you saying 40%? Because you're not doing anything. Like you're as busy as you feel you are. You're not succeeding. So win the 40%. And then when you do, everything else starts dropping like it into the alignment that's that's why there's systems and process but if you if you engineer the process to pick up 120 percent which you can't fulfill you failed so business owners schedule the 40 percent hire an inner coach fire the inner critic and then i guess finally realize that there's so much further you can let go of and drop and lose on the way to winning you can fail so many things on the way to winning and you just have to figure them out. If payroll is not coming in and you have to make payroll, if you have to let someone go, then you have to let someone go. It's a detail. And if you have to lose one to save six, then you do it. And you kiss that person and you say, if I can bring you back, I will. I'm so sorry. Cheers. Uh, you know, and I hope, it's, I hope you don't find a great new job because I want you back the minute I can afford it. You have to. And I think that so many people labor under guilt and, and fears and all these other things that they procrastinate into the point of no return. And then you lose all six. So we have to make better decisions faster. We have to do that by realizing that guilt is not a decision-making tool. Got it. Any other tips for uh, business owners, perhaps when they're people who are listening to this, um, find themselves in the middle of an episode a depressive episode. Um, so they've, they've done the good things, you know, they've only scheduled to 40%. So they've got the margin to sort of drop back a little bit. Any other practical advice on how to handle the 40% when you're in the middle of, and perhaps you don't want to get out of bed. Yeah. So, uh, and by the way, I always tell people, if you don't want to get out of bed, then make the first thing on your process, trying to get out of the bed. Um, you know, if you don't want to shower, then don't shower you know, until you have to, until you've got that out of the house meeting or something like that, if you work at home. And if you're going to the office like that, then, you know, be like, be like the uh, medieval times and just throw a little extra something on you to smell less bad. Um, <laughs> it doesn't matter. Like your life's going to go on whether or not you're smelly. Um, but then the other thing that happens with depression a lot is we look so much at our belly buttons. We look so much at ourselves. Depression is a, a single player sport, right? It's a me, my sport. And one way to get out of it is to remember to go look at and help other people. If, I, if you took nothing from this entire conversation, when you are depressed, help other people. Isn't, uh, it's not, don't help them in that way that you're trying to avoid your problem. Help them in the way that your problem is going to come or go because it's chemical and it, no matter what. So help someone else because it's always going to be better to be in a team sport in those moments um, because depression is a very isolation-based tool. And uh, the only thing most all of the studies that have come out about this all agree 
is the worse your support system, the worse your friend system, the worse your colleague system, the, the more times you hang by yourself instead of even going to the pub uh, is what will kill you dead. And it takes between 15, 10 to 20 years, I guess. And it's not quite a solid number. You lose 10 to 20 years off your life if you are a hermit. Sorry, it's not like the movies. You don't get the big long beard, ladies. Um, you just basically lose 10 to 20 years off your life. It's less fun. So maybe spend some time uh, putting together some relationships. And I say that being an insane introvert and also not liking to go places. But the more we do it, the more we get out and the more we say hi over a, you know, a glass of iced tea somewhere at a bar, uh, the more we have a chance. I've actually got a resiliency plan that I put together. So we talked earlier on about those sort of um, red flags that you see coming up and something might be up here, you know, and the resiliency plan uh, put together my friend uh, Polly uh, Brennan, um, who does magnificent work in uh, mental health and um, uh, adventurous Polly on Twitter. Definitely look her up. Um, But it the resiliency plan, if I see an orange flag coming along, if I see a red flag coming along, it's basically, I'm a systems guy, Chris, I'm an IT guy. If this happens, do that. If this happens, do that. Um, and it works for me uh, broadly. You know, it works really well for me. What are the habits and routines that you've learned that help you to keep the black dog in its cage? Uh, two things came right to mind. One is I try to let it out of the cage. I, you know, I, I think that, have you ever done that thing where there's a there's a, a lone little Reese's cup in the house and you're on your best diet and you're like, if I eat that Reese's cup, I failed. And you spend so many mental calories on that Reese's cup. Sure. You're like a dog at the table looking at the piece of steak. If the if the owner leaves this room, that steak's gone. That's all you're thinking. Right? What is that dog thinking about besides that steak? Zero. Right? Eat the damn Reese's cup. Just eat it. Just get it out. So with the depression, I let the dog out. If I'm dealing with it, I'm going to deal with it. I try my best to be alone for that and then go find people, you know, but if I'm going to have to deal with it, if I have to have a good long cry, I have the cry. Who cares? You know, I, I let it go. Um, number one, because anytime we resist something for so long, I mean, zero good things in life deal with resistance. You know, I, I almost wish in wars that it was never called the resistance. I always wish it was called the we're going to fix it problem thing because it's, it's going forward, right? I get that they're resisting occupation. Um, the other thing I do, and it's like your system, I'm a big fan of like little three inch by five inch index note cards, you know? Um, and I think that if you put a few little stacks together and left them somewhere where you could get to them that put you through some really simple processes, uh, I think that helps a lot, you know, and, and one could be really as dumb as, you know, go wet a face cloth and put some soap in it and rub it around a few naughty bits and call it a day. Right. Like that's it feels gross sounds stupid whatever but you know what sometimes in the worst of the depression that's a win you know not smelling like a dead donkey might be your win for the day so put those on a card and then also on the card you know who should i be emailing right now you know who can i ignore if you ask yourself some questions in those moments it really helps and it, and it, and it assuages some of the guilt so i think cards i'll use as one and the other is really just let the dog out because i think uh, resistance wastes so many more calories. It's like procrastination and all the other things we talk about. It's just so much work to do yeah. that. And it's so much easier. Maybe I'm a bit of a hedonist, I guess, but you know, just go, go with the impulse. 
Hey folks, this is Praveen from superops.ai. I'm super excited to be part of this ultimate MSP podcast crossover event happening in September. And as part of this, I wanted to share the one piece of advice that I have followed being part of a startup and in my personal life as well. We grossly overestimate what we can do in the short term and highly underestimate what we can do in the long term. And when I say short term, it's like six months, one year. And when I say long term, it's five years, 10 years, right? So it's these unsexy little things, the boring tasks done with deliberate practice and deliberate improvement over time that ensures that your results start compounding and leads to massive success. I think as humans and as businesses, we grossly underestimate the power of compounding. And once I realized that when someone gave me this advice, my life changed forever. I hope you enjoyed this short bonus episode where I spoke to New York Times bestselling author Chris Brogan about mental health and depression. If you found this bonus useful, I'd encourage you to check out episode 65 of Tub Talk for the full length episode where Chris and I take a deep dive into mental health and how you can support yourself and those around you in your MSP business and life. And remember, throughout September 2022, you can win $1,000 in the Ultimate MSP Podcast Crossover event. Just post a LinkedIn using the hashtag MSP Podcast Crossover or check out all the details at tub.co forward slash ultimate podcast. 